What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be discussing could Maryland football potentially shock the Big Ten this season? How good will West Virginia and Washington football be this upcoming college football season? And how good will Justin Fields be going into his second season in the NFL under Chicago Bears new head coach Matt Eberflus? If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore and on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. Lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subbed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. We're talking about Maryland football for the first time ever on the JT Sports podcast. Now, I don't know if there are a lot of Maryland fans out there, but if there are and you're watching this, can I get a go Terps in the comment section? Because the only Maryland fan that I know It's my guy, MCD Sports 4. Shout out to him if he's watching this. But I just need to go Terps in the comment section. Let the people know, hey man, there's Maryland Terps fans out there that exist. Now, every single season, I have a adopted college football team that I root for behind my Miami Hurricanes. And the reason for this is because the Hurricanes let me down every single year. And by the time we get to week five or week six, I've already done lost all hope on the season. So I root for a, another college football team. And normally this team is a under the radar team that a lot of people don't have high expectations for. Last year was Arkansas and 2020 was Indiana and 2019 it was the Minnesota Gophers. And this season... That team for me is going to be the Maryland Terps because I think that Maryland is being incredibly disrespected and I think they're one of the most underrated teams in college football heading into this season. Check me out. Do you know what their over on the win total is going into this season? Five and a half. This is a program that is coming off one of their most successful seasons in recent memory. They went seven and six. Mike Loxley has a fresh new contract extension. And he said that Maryland football hasn't even reached the peak for what they could become. And I'm really excited for what the Terps could do this season because they have a really good offense. You have Talia Takavaloa coming back for another season at quarterback. He was pretty good last year. Even though I would have loved to see him perform a little bit better against some of the better competition in the Big Ten like Iowa, Ohio State, and Michigan State. But for the most part, he was pretty good. Now, Maryland has a really phenomenal group of wide receivers. We talk about how stacked Ohio State is at wide receiver and how they have the best receiving core, not only in the Big Ten, but in all of college football. But Maryland's receivers, they're up there. You have Jacob Copeland, who is a transfer from the University of Florida. He recently won MVP for Maryland in their past spring game that they just had not too long ago. You have Rakeem Jarrett, Dante Dumas, Deshaun Jones. So not only do you have great starting talent, but you also have great depth. So if God forbid one of these guys go down with an injury, 
You have guys on the bench who can come right in and step up and perform at a really high level. Now, we don't know who's going to end up starting at running back. They probably won't even have a RB1 this year. They're probably just going to go by committee. But they do love the talent that they have there and the depth that they have at the position as well. The offensive line returns all five starters from last season. And this wasn't a bad offensive line. This was a really good unit. This was one of the best pass-blocking offensive lines in the Big Ten last year. And this team is going to be doing a lot of passing this season. Even though Mike Loxley did say that they want to be a, a lot better on the ground, but let's face it, with how much talent they have at wide receiver and who they have at quarterback, if Maryland is going to shock the Big Ten this year, they're going to do it behind the arm of Talia. Now, some things that I would love for Maryland to improve on on offense this season, they have to be better in the red zone. They had one of the worst red zone offenses in college football last season. They were ranked 118th in red zone scoring. And we're not talking about field goals. We're talking about touchdowns. And if you're trying to beat teams like Ohio State or some of the better teams in college football, you have to be able to, when you get inside the 20, to come away with touchdowns. You can't be settling for three points or come away empty-handed because that could be the difference between you losing a one-possession football game and being on the opposite end of that and winning those games. So for Maryland, the red zone defense has, well, the red zone offense has to step up. We're going to talk about the defense in a little bit. I ain't forget. Now, the third down offense also wasn't good. And it's really funny how good this offense was last year, despite the fact that they weren't good on third down and they weren't good at scoring inside the red zone. Normally, when you see our offense this high powered, they're normally really efficient in both of those statistics. However, they were 91st and third down efficiency last year. 36%. That's a big no-no. If Maryland is going to be as good as what a lot of Maryland fans think, what myself included think, they're going to have to improve that third down efficiency because you have to be able to keep drives alive on offense. You have to be able to keep the chains moving. And I do think that that is going to improve because I think that this offense has way too much talent for it not to improve. Now, overall, I think that this is going to be a top 15, top 20 offense in America. And we already know, if you are a diehard Terps fan, that most of your games are probably going to be high scoring, probably going to be in the high 40s, maybe get into the 50s, because your defense last year wasn't all that great. And it doesn't really look as if things are going to be getting all that better. Now, the positive is that, you know, I don't think the defense can get any worse from what it was last season, but their past defense was atrocious. And really, it starts with... Can you generate pressure up front? Now, their defensive line has two guys that I think can have really good seasons. You have Kai, who had four sacks last year. Greg Rose had five sacks. You're definitely going to be looking for those guys, for those guys to step up when it comes to the defensive line. At linebacker, probably the biggest, the biggest concern that the Maryland coaching staff has, they lost several players to the transfer portal. You do have Ruben. Hapolite, the second, who was third on the team in tackles with 62. He's going to be probably their best linebacker that they have going into this season. You have true freshman, 
Jayshon Barham, who was a four-star recruit coming out of the 2022 recruiting cycle. He was the 10th best linebacker in the nation. He was a early enrollee. He had a very good spring. He spent time on the first team defense during the spring game, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that we're going to see a lot of him this season. Ahmad McCullough was MVP on defense for the spring game as well. So when you look at Ahmad McCullough, they're going to be expecting a lot from this linebacker group. Because anytime you're trying to have a good run defense... Most of the time, you're looking at your D-line, and you're looking at your linebackers. So, how confident is this Maryland coaching staff and their front seven? They probably feel that they have some good pieces there, especially when you look at the D-line. When it comes to linebacker, you may have a good amount of confidence in your starters, but you probably don't have a lot of confidence in the depth that you have at that position. At cornerback, I definitely think that you have some pretty good pieces here. Jacorion, Bennett, Deontay Banks, they're pretty good. At safety, you lost two starters to the NFL and Jordan Mosley and Nick Cross. And we saw the inexperience of the secondary definitely be a huge talking point after the spring game. Mike Loxley actually spoke out against it and said that the position does have guys who have a lot of potential. But there's a good amount of inexperience there that concerns him. So when you look at Maryland going into this season and you analyze their schedule, your first three games are pretty much winnable. You play Buffalo, you go on the road to play Charlotte, then you have SMU. You should be able to go 3-0. Maybe you end up losing to SMU. I'm not betting on it, but that could potentially be a losable game for Maryland because SMU is a team that also has a lot of firepower on offense going into year one under Rhett Lashley. But I think that most likely Michigan is going to be a game that you walk into at 3-0. Now you travel on the road to face the Wolverines. And the Wolverines are going to have a really good defense, and they're going to have a really good offense. So that's probably going to be a a game that Maryland may struggle to compete in, but hopefully you can keep things close because there's no reason why this offense should get shut down by any defense, no matter how much talent is on the opposing side. Because when you have a wide receiving core that's this stacked and a quarterback this good, you should be able to keep up with the majority of teams in college football. And you shouldn't really face too many shutouts, especially with the off the line having so much experience and talent there. So I think that that definitely is a game that could end up being a barn burner there. You have Michigan State. I like them to pull off the upset against Michigan State. I think that Michigan State definitely is going to take a step back. Then you face Purdue, you got to play Indiana, Northwestern. So you have a pretty, I'm not going to say easy stretch, but it is a pretty winnable stretch. And then you go into your bye week and then you really face the meat and potatoes of your schedule because you have three really tough games coming off your bye. You got to travel on the road to Wisconsin. They're going to be tough. Even if they don't have an offense, their defense is still going to be really good. Then you got to go on the road back-to-back weeks to face Penn State. 
Mm-hmm. You just got done facing Wisconsin on the road. This is in November. Now you got to go on the road and face Penn State. Then you have Ohio State and Rutgers to close out the season. So my record prediction for the Terps this year is going to be 8-4. and four. I think that Maryland is going to be really solid this year. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Yes, they aren't going to have a defense. But, I mean, there there are a lot of teams every single season that are still really good that don't have good defenses. Look at Michigan State, for example, last year. Their defense wasn't really all that great. I believe they had one of the worst pass defenses in all of college football last year. And yet, they were still able to make it and win a New Year's Six Bowl game last year. So, that tells you everything that you need to know. So, for Maryland, I feel... As long as this offense can get better scoring inside the red zone and be more efficient in third down situations, I don't feel there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to compete with the majority of teams on their schedule this season outside of maybe Ohio State and Michigan. That's about it. Those are probably the only two games that I don't think that Maryland has a really legit chance at being able to win. So 8-4 and four is my record prediction. Potentially nine wins. I think 10 wins definitely would be pushing it. But I think that Maryland is one of the most underrated football teams going into the 2022 college football season. And I think that a lot of people are sleeping on the Terps, man. So if you're a Maryland fan, if you made it to this point of the segment, give me a go Terps again down in the comment section down below, man. And give me your thoughts on how good you feel Maryland football would be in 2022. How good will the West Virginia Mountaineers be in 2022? Now, Neil Brown is going into year four with the program. They went six and seven last year, and they had some really close losses. You lost to Oklahoma 16 to 13. You lost to Maryland 30 to 24. You had a really close loss to Texas Tech 23 to 20. And with a better offense, you most likely win those games. Now, I'm not somebody who likes to go off what ifs and what could have happened, but I really feel if West Virginia's offense just had a little bit of a pulse, they probably would have had a nine-win, maybe eight-win season last year. Now, their over-under win total is at five and a half, which kind of surprises me because there are a lot of people who kind of think that West Virginia could be a sleeper pick to win the Big 12 this year. And I kind of understand why a lot of people may not have a lot of confidence in West Virginia because they lost a lot of talent. They're going to have several new starters this year. But, I mean, they have a new offensive coordinator and Graham Harrell. So, hopefully he can get some juice going into this offense because that's what they need. They need some juice. You ever try to squeeze some juice out of an orange? And you just couldn't get no juice to come out. That was West Virginia's offense, man. It it was really tough to watch. And trust me, I've seen some really bad offenses last year, such as Iowa and Wisconsin. But West Virginia's offense was just as bad as those. So by bringing in Graham Harrell, I'm really excited to see what he does with this offense. And plus, you get JT Daniels from the transfer portal. Now, JT Daniels is a really good quarterback. He has, unfortunately been unable to stay on the field due to injuries. And last year, if he never would have went down with that injury for Georgia, he probably could have led them to the same amount of success that they would have had with Stetson Bennett, and they probably would have been a lot better. And as a matter of fact, 
there are many Georgia fans that will tell you and say that the best quarterback wasn't starting for Georgia all of last year, pretty much outside of the Clemson game. So for JT Daniels, as long as he can stay healthy, I think West Virginia is going to be pretty solid on offense. You shouldn't have the performance that you had last year. The fact that you have a new OC and having a solid starter at the quarterback position, I definitely think that this offense should do nothing but take a step up. Tony Manthis is most likely going to be your RB1 this year. I love the talent that he have at wide receiver. You got Bryce Ford Wheaton, Sam James, Caden Prather there. Now, Wheaton is probably one of the more underrated receivers in the Big 12. A lot of people probably don't know about him, but he was second on the team in receiving yards. He had 575 of them, 42 receptions, and three touchdowns. You also look at Sam James. I think he was pretty solid, 42 catches for 505 receiving yards and five touchdowns. And this receiving core should be a lot better with the fact that now you have a solid quarterback throwing you the football. Then your offensive line. Your offensive line, I think it should be slightly above average. It could be average, but I think that the offensive line should definitely improve compared to what it was last year. And honestly, I don't really think that all the sacks were strictly on the offensive line. I kind of feel like the quarterback they had last year was holding on to the ball too long. He kind of was trying to do a little bit too much at times, which is why he wasn't able to take care of the football. So now with JT Daniels back there, I think you're going to have a better performance from the offensive line now with the fact that you have a quarterback that's going to know when to get rid of the ball. Then on defense, even though you are going to have a couple of new faces there starting for you. This defense has been pretty good over the last couple of years under Neil Brown. And this defense was a reason why West Virginia was able to hang around in some of those games that we just listed off earlier against Texas Tech, Oklahoma, whatnot. And their defense almost won them the game against Oklahoma. So if they can get a better offense that isn't going three and out every single possession, this defense definitely could end up being better than what it was last season. That's without some of the guys that they had on this unit last year. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of people don't realize this in football. You can have a good defense and it's still not perform at a really high level because the offense ends up holding it back. And you may say, JT, how does offense impact the defense? Well, I think it's pretty common sense that if your offense continues to go through and out and can't sustain drives and can't stay on the field long, that puts your defense back on the field for more plays than what they should be on the field for. So if you have an offense that can routinely move the chains and keep the defense on the sidelines, it's going to give your defense a little bit more time to rest, recruit, and then they won't end up coming back on the field so gassed. So for West Virginia's defense, I think the fact that you're going to have an improved offense this year is going to greatly impact this defense in a positive way. Now, you have a really good defensive line. One of the best defensive lines in the Big 12 this year. Dante Stills, Jordan Jefferson, Todd Austin. Now, their linebacker position, they have a really weird name for it. They call it Bandit, Jordan Barlett is somebody who I think could have a breakout position or a breakout season at the bandit position. 
He played in 13 games, started in a couple of them. He had 31 tackles for three and a half sacks. I think that if he continues to develop over the course of fall camp, I think that he could end up being one of the better linebackers in the Big 12 or one of the better bandits in the bigger in the Big 12. I don't know if everybody's calling this position bandit now. I doubt it, but it's a cool name to give to it. I ain't I'm not going to lie, bandit. Okay. At cornerback, you have Charles Woods who had two interceptions last season, a couple of pass breakups. Definitely someone to keep an eye on for. He could be one of the more underrated corners in the Big 12 conference this season. You have a transfer from North Dakota State, Jazir Cox there. So West Virginia, I think that this defense is still going to be pretty good. This offense definitely should improve. I don't really think the offense can get no worse than what it was last year. It was just abysmal to watch. And for their schedule, you get tested right away. You got to play Pitt on the road on a Thursday night. Tough, tough, tough. And Pitt is coming off pretty much the best season that they have ever had in the history of their football program. It's going to be really interesting to see how West Virginia looks in that matchup. Because Pitt is going to be a pretty good football team on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. So if West Virginia could win that game, I think that a lot of Mountaineers fans are going to have a lot of optimism about what's to come. Now, you do get to play Kansas Townsend, Virginia Tech on the road in Blacksburg there. I think that West Virginia should be able to win all three of those games. So you end up going on the road into that Texas matchup, either 4-0 or 3-1. Most likely 3-1. Now, Texas is a really intriguing team. I don't know how good their defense is going to be, but offensively they're going to be able to put up a lot of points. And after you play that game, you have a bye week, then you enter the meat and potatoes of conference play. You got Baylor, Texas Tech on the road, which a lot of people think Texas Tech could be a big sleeper in this conference. You got TCU, you got Iowa State coming off a little bit of a lackluster season. Then you got OU, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State on the road there. So for West Virginia, I think that they have a strong chance of being able to win the Big 12, because the Big 12 is a conference this season that there's a lot of unknown when it comes to a lot of these teams. Look at Oklahoma State. You know, how is Oklahoma State going to adjust to losing so much talent on the defense side of football? Plus, I believe they lost their defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. Then offensively, their offensive line wasn't that great. They didn't really have a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball anyway. So I don't really know how good Oklahoma State's going to be. Kansas State is a sleeper that a lot of people are pretty high on, but people have been telling me that for the last three years, and I still haven't really been all that impressed with Kansas. Oklahoma definitely is going to be really good. I definitely think they are capable of being able to win at least nine, ten games. Year one under Brent Venables. They got Jeff Levy at offensive coordinator, so they're going to be pretty solid. Iowa State. Don't really know what to think of them. We know that they're always pretty good defensively, but how's the offense going to look this year? And Baylor, you know, Baylor under Dave Aranda, they had a lot of success last season. Are they going to be able to replicate that success this year? So for West Virginia, I definitely see a good opportunity for them to be able to have a shot at competing for the Big 12 title this year because I don't really think that there's any team 
going into this season that really stands out that you can look at and be like, oh, yeah, man, like, JT, this is the team. A lot of people think it could be Texas, but I don't know if Texas is going to have a defense this year. And even if their offense does end up clicking, which I believe that it will, when you have offense that good, your defense is going to be on the field for a lot of plays. So it gives West Virginia opportunity to be able to score a lot of points on their defense as well. So I think for West Virginia, I think they're being a little bit slept on. At five and a half, I'll take that. I'll put some money on that easily. I definitely think that there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to get the six wins. Now, the floor is going to be at six. Now, what is the ceiling for West Virginia this year? Could you say nine wins? I probably would go eight. So, I think that West Virginia probably would be a seven-win team. I could see them going at eight at best. But I wouldn't be surprised if we could see them winning nine games or maybe popping off and winning at least ten and making it to, you know, one of the major New Year's Six Bowl games because the Big 12 is a conference that... You know, there's a lot of question marks around a lot of these teams. And when you look at West Virginia, the biggest problem that they really had last year was their offense. And now you improve that by bringing in a new officer coordinator and Graham Harrell. And you have JT Daniels at quarterback. As long as JT Daniels can stay healthy, I think that West Virginia most definitely should be in the mix for the Big 12 this year. How good will Washington football be this upcoming college football season? Now, last year, this was one of the most disappointing teams in all of college football. They went 5-8. and eight. They crashed and burned with Jimmy Lake. He was fighting with his players. It was awful. So you bring in a new head coach and Kalen DeBoer, who had a really phenomenal offense last season at Fresno State. And if you're a Huskies fan, you're really excited for what this offense could do this season because their defense is going to be really good. Their front seven is one of the best in the Pac-12. Now, who's going to end up getting the nod at quarterback come week one? You have Michael Penix, transferred from Indiana. Dylan Morris started the majority of last year. And Sam Heward. Now, Sam Heward is probably third in the quarterback competition in a lot of Washington fans' eyes. He had the best spring game of the group. But he hasn't been all that great throughout the duration of spring camp. Now you have Michael Penix, who has a good amount of experience. He also has a lot of familiarity with DeBoer because DeBoer was his officer coordinator at Indiana during 2019. So the thing with Michael Penix is, for one, can the guy stay healthy? I don't think he's ever made it through an entire full season. Secondly, Can he improve his accuracy downfield? Now, I don't really know if it's a left-handed thing, but left-handers aren't really known for being incredibly accurate. More times than not, they're known for being gunslingers, and Michael Penix has a phenomenal arm, but I would love for him to improve his accuracy a little bit more. But other than that, I expect him to get the starting nod And not only do I expect him to be the starter because him and DeBoer have that familiarity, but he's the quarterback who has a good grasp of the playbook. He looks experienced. He looks in control. And he didn't really have a lot of turnovers during spring camp. Now, you look at Dylan Morris. He didn't really have a bad spring camp neither. But, I mean, I watched a lot of Washington games last year. Don't ask me why. But they're on the West Coast. They normally play late in the day. So I love watching the 
late college football games. It's fun to me. And every single week, man, I kept saying to myself, you know, like, they're still starting this guy again. So I'm pretty sure if you're a Washington fan, seeing Dylan Morris start at quarterback for you again this year probably would be one of your worst nightmares. I doubt it'll happen. But I think Michael Penix could do some really good things this year if he's able to stay healthy. But if he isn't and his injury history keeps up popping up again this year, you're probably going to see a good amount of Dylan Morris if that happens. Now, wide receiver, you have a pretty good group there. You have Jalen McMillan there. You also have a lot of talent at running back. Now, we don't know who's going to get the start at running back. You do have Aaron Dumas, who is a transfer from New Mexico State. You also have Cameron Davis, Richard Newman there. Now, the board says that he loves running backs who can catch out of the backfield. You go back to his offense at Fresno State. The running backs were heavily involved in the passing attack. Now, Every single one of these running backs for Washington brings something different to the table. DeBoer even said that he's not just looking for who's the most talented when it comes to being able to catch the football and run the ball in between the tackles, but he's also looking for somebody who's also going to be reliable and pass blocking. So you're looking at somebody who just wants a lot of versatility when it comes to running back, and I think that Washington is well suited for that. And then another thing is that this offense is going to get a giant boost simply for the fact that you're moving away from that pro-style offense that you tried to implement last year, and now you have more of a spread-oriented attack. And last year, Jimmy Lake, for some reason, wanted to put a lot of emphasis on running the football. I think he even had like a shirt or something that said, run the dog on football, run the damn ball or something like that. And the run game didn't really have a lot of success last year. So if you can get this passing game going, plus the run game going, that's going to open things up for what you can do offensively as a play caller. Now for the defense, I don't know how to pronounce a lot of these guys' names. These Hawaiian names throw me off. They're always really fun to pronounce once you get the gist of them, but I've been trying before recording this, and I'm not even going to try to embarrass myself, but I'm going to try to pronounce them by their first name. So you have... Talib, who is one of the better interior defensive linemen in the Pac-12. You have Zion there at linebacker. You have Carson there at the other linebacker spot. You have Braylon Trice. You have a lot of depth and a lot of talent when it comes to your linebacker group. Now, cornerback is probably going to be the biggest concern that many Husky fans have on the defensive side of the football because you lost Trent McDuffie. Kyler Gordon, and Buki Bernard, Rodley Hiles to the NFL. But you do bring in UC Davis transfer Jordan Perryman, who was All-Sky first team last year. Last year with UC Davis, he recorded 63 tackles, 12 pass breakups in the interception. So he's going to be a really big acquisition there at cornerback. They're going to be expecting a lot of big things out of him this season. And that secondary, then that safety, you're pretty solid. You have Turner, Alex Cook back there. So for Washington... When you look at their schedule, you should be able to handle Kent State and Portland State. Hopefully, you don't have another Montana disaster. So, you go into that Michigan State game 2-0, most likely. And the bonus is that it's going to be at home. 
Now, Michigan State's defense, I don't think it's going to be all that great. Their secondary was a huge concern last season, and I think that their secondary still is a huge concern this season. So I think that that's a pretty winnable game. I think that Washington has a really good offensive line. A lot of Husky fans feel that this offensive line underperformed last year, not due to the fact that there wasn't a lot of talent, but due to the fact that poor scheme and predictable play calling. So against Michigan State, I think that that's a pretty winnable game. Stanford, we don't really know what they're going to be this year. David Shaw, don't really know what's going on there, but... Can they get things together? Will they continue to kind of drift down in the wrong direction? Don't really know. UCLA is going to be really tough this year. Really tough. You have Zach Charbonnet coming back there. You have Dorian Thompson Robinson back at quarterback again for another year. I think UCLA is being a little bit overlooked this year. Then you have a pretty easy stretch for the most part. You play Arizona State on the road. They look like they're going to be a dumpster fire, Arizona, Cal. So you should be able to win all three of those games. So at this point, you should at least have five wins, maybe six at this point, right? And then coming off your bye week, you face Oregon State. They're a little bit overlooked as well. Oregon, Colorado, Washington State, which is going to be one of the best Apple Cup matchups that we have seen in a very long time because you're going to have Cameron Ward there at quarterback. And I think that Washington State is going to be really interesting with Cameron Ward at quarterback because if he ends up popping off, they could be a dangerous team. So my record prediction for Washington, I have them at... Seven, eight wins. I'm probably going to go with seven because I think that there are going to be some growing pains when it comes to the quarterback position. I don't have a lot of confidence that Michael Penix is going to be able to get through the whole entire year. He hasn't shown me that he has throughout his whole entire collegiate career. So I think that the quarterback play may end up holding them that back. But if Michael Penix can make it through the whole entire season, then I do think that they can be able to get eight, maybe nine wins. But when you look at them in terms of being able to compete for the Pac-12, I think that they do have a small shot. But USC, Oregon, they're better teams at this point. And this was a 4-8 team last year. Now, it was 4-8 due to bad coach and not really due to the talent, but I still do have my reservations about this Huskies team on the offensive side of the ball. I know that they're going to be really good defensively, but offensively, even though DeBoer is an offensive-minded coach and the offense is going to improve, I still don't really know how good the quarterback play is going to be this year because I need Michael Penix to show me that he can stay healthy. So, overall... 7-5 is going to be my record prediction for the Huskies this season. If you're a Washington fan and you're watching this, let me know how good you think the Huskies are going to be this upcoming college football season down in the comment section down below. Justin Fields is going into his second season as the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Last season, he had a pretty underwhelming rookie season. And it wasn't really his fault. He was set up to fail by the back play calling on the behalf of Matt Nagy. The Bears didn't really have a good offensive line, so that didn't really do him any favor. So now, the Chicago Bears bring in some fresh blood when it comes to their coaching staff. Matt Eberflus is the new head coach. 
And Luke Getze is going to be the offensive coordinator this season for the Bears. He's going to be the man in charge of helping Justin Fields develop this season. And I like Luke Getze. This is somebody who has been on the Green Bay Packers staff. And we don't really know too much about his scheme. However, I do think that we're going to see RPOs implemented into this offense a good bit, which is something that Justin Fields is really good at. And a lot of people in the national media have said that the Bears have surrounded Justin Fields with little to no talent at all. And I don't really think that that is entirely true. You may not have a lot of big names on this offense, but you definitely do have some guys who should be able to produce, such as Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney can be a legitimate number one wide receiver in this league. You have Byron Pringle, which... Byron Pringle may not be a impressive name, but I mean, you can do a lot worse than Byron Pringle. You have rookie wide receiver out of Tennessee, Velas Jones, who I am really excited to see what he does this year. He's somebody that I think a lot of people are kind of overlooking when it comes to rookie wide receivers. If you're looking for a rookie wide receiver who could pop off right away, who was not a day one pick, it could be Velas Jones because he's going to have a good opportunity to end up getting one of the starting spots. He also has really good speed, so he's going to be a really good deep threat. And Justin Fields is pretty good when it comes to throwing the deep ball as well, as long as he's able to get legitimate time to throw the deep ball. But with the off the line situation the way it is, the Chicago Bears are probably going to put a lot of emphasis on getting the ball out fast and quick, which is why I think that the RPOs are probably going to be heavily implemented into this offense. You're probably going to see a lot of Justin Fields in the run game with read options and design quarterback runs. And you're also going to see a lot of Devin Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, which I think that that is a really good running back duo. And they're going to rely heavily on the run game this year because, let's face it, Chicago has to get into games where they have to win by throwing the football. They're going to be in a lot of trouble. But there is a sleeper player on this offense that not too many people are talking about. And that's tight end Cole Komet. Cole Komet was really solid for Chicago last year. He caught 60 receptions for 612 yards and he averaged 10 yards per reception. And I think that he's going to be in for a monster season. If you're somebody who's watching this and you play a lot of fantasy football, target Cole Komet late in your draft because he's going to be the second most reliable option in this offense behind Darnell Mooney. And I think that Luke Getze is going to design a lot of plays with him being the primary or secondary option and Justin Fields' progressions. So we're going to see a lot of Cole Komet this year. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing Cole Komet have a breakout season and end up being a pro bowler. So for Justin Fields, how far is he going to go in his development this offseason? Because we already know with the current off-the-line situation, He's going to get hit a lot. And normally, when you have a quarterback that's going through a coaching change, it's kind of a little bit of hindrance in their development because they're learning a new playbook, they're learning a new system. However, I think that this is going to be one of the rare occasions where a coaching change actually benefits a young quarterback because 
Matt Nagy didn't really know what he was doing when it came to calling the plays. And there were a lot of times where he would end up calling the plays, then next week giving the play calling up, and then end up taking the play calling back. The guy didn't know what he wanted to do. So for Justin Fields, I think when he's at his best is when he's able to roll outside the pocket using play action, and then also when you're able to get him involved in the RPO game. Now, Justin Fields, even though his rookie season may not have been the greatest statistically, I do feel like he had some solid performances there. Coming from a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, when the Chicago Bears played the Steelers, Justin Fields was really good. He was actually scaring me because there was a point in that game when I thought that the Bears were going to end up being able to pull off the upset, but the Steelers were able to pull away and win that game. But I was really impressed with how Justin Fields handled himself against a really solid Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So for Justin Fields, if he ends up developing the way that many Bears fans envision that he should, I think that you're probably looking at somebody who should be around 18, 19 passing touchdowns, probably have seven interceptions on the season. And I give you those little numbers simply for the fact that the Bears don't really have a lot of phenomenal talent in the passing game. They're going to have a lot of cap space next year to be able to improve that, however. But this season, I think that this is going to be an offense that they're going to pick and choose their shots wisely because you don't want to put Justin Fields in a lot of situations where he has to drop back and have to wait for a lot of routes downfield to develop behind that offensive line. And the thing with the offensive line is that you do have some pieces there that do have a lot of promise, such as Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum there at left tackle. So those are guys who do have high ceilings, but you don't know if they're going to end up reaching their ceilings this season. They were more viewed as project players in a sense, even though Tevin Jenkins was a guy who we all thought, based off the Brett Coleman video, can end up stepping in and being one of the best offensive tackles as a rookie right away. But he still has some ways to go. And with a new coaching staff in play, most likely the offensive line should be able to improve. But really when it comes to Justin Fields, I think he's going to be pretty solid this season. I think that he's going to rely a lot on his mobility to be able to extend plays, give wide receivers extra time to get open. But also he's going to be heavily involved in the run game. I expect him to have pretty much 500 or 600 rushing yards this season and probably six, seven rushing touchdowns. So overall, I think that Justin Fields will be okay this year I do think that there still are going to be some growing pains here and there but with the Chicago Bears still being a team that's in a little bit of a rebuild I think that that's fair to expect Justin Fields to have some off games but for the most part I think that he should be pretty solid this year and I'm going to be excited to see what the Bears can do when they're finally able to get a fresh offseason and they're able to finally be able to spend money and improve at all the positions that they need to improve at to give Justin Fields the best chance of being able to succeed. So give me your thoughts on how good you feel Justin Fields is going to be in 2022 in his second season starting for the Bears. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast on all podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available.